Howdy folks, my name is Scott Parker and you are listening to episode one of ZappaCast for March of 2011. This was originally supposed to be the ZappaCast for January of 2011, the premiere episode. But as some of you may know, I actually lost the entire contents of my hard drive to a hard drive crash in January, which uh, basically erased everything that wasn't backed up. And one of the things that wasn't backed up was the material for the podcast. So I apologize for being a little bit late. There are aspects of this that probably uh, were more relevant a month ago. But in any case, we're here and we're going to uh, give you the best possible show that we can. Just to give you an idea of what is going to happen in future episodes of ZappaCast, we're going to be discussing various aspects of the life and work of Frank Zappa. And we're going to be doing that through rare audio clips. We're going to be doing that through interviews with folks that were connected with Frank in some way. We're going to be doing that through discussion. Uh, going to have some guests up here to uh, make things much more lively and entertaining than I can do on my own. We're going to be doing that through examinations of uh, new releases from the Zappa Family Trust and also looking at the current live work of the Dweezil Zappa Play Zappa Band. And we're also going to be taking a look at what the fans of Frank Zappa are doing to preserve Frank's memory and to keep it alive. So if anybody has any ideas or wants to be on the show or wants to uh, have their music heard or whatever... Feel free to drop me a line and we'll get you on board, but I'll give you more information about that later. For now, we're going to begin the proceedings with the only piece of the original podcast that was not lost in the January crash, which is the uh, dulcet tones of Dr. Andrew Greenaway, who um, probably everybody knows of as the uh, Lord God Almighty of the Idiot Bastard Son website, which is pretty much the only place that you need to go to to get your updated Zappa and Zappa alumni news. So take it away, Dr. Greenaway. Hi there, sports fans. This is your old friend, the Idiot Bastard here. Scott has asked me to pop in and give you all the latest news from Planet Zappa, and also to talk a little bit about Zappa at the Roundhouse Festival that took place in London in November of last year. Supper at the Roundhouse was a really great experience. It was nice to see so many friends there and also to see the Zappa women mingling with uh, the fans and generally having a good time. The first thing that we saw was Gail Zappa in conversation with Ali and Askin, Todd Vega and Frank Filippetti. Joe Travers also sat in on that. Gail revealed that Mother Mania is going to be released on vinyl very soon, that Dance Me This and Rage in the Fury should be out sometime next year she also mentioned the discovery of an unreleased album that frank had put together that no one knew about the music was great generally speaking the highlight for me was the performance of gregory peccary on this last night on the sunday by london sinfonietta the non-musical highlight was an audience with scott tuners and jeff simmons moderated by frank's official biographer alan clayson this was a total blast. The two guys just talking completely off the cuff. Lots of great statements made, notably by the always on Scott Tunes. Some people describe him as scary. I would say he's more funny than scary, personally. 
At some point during the festival, Scott Tunis was interviewed by the UK bass guitar magazine. That is now out, and it's, as ever, an entertaining read. If you can track that down, I would recommend you do that. There was a Sky Arts documentary recorded at the festival as well, and that revealed that uh, there's a likelihood that they will be making this an annual event. Hopefully uh, we'll do it all again this November. Hope to see you there. So what else is happening? Return to Forever. It's now called Return to Forever 4, and uh, the fourth lineup, which now features Jean-Luc Ponty on violin. They are touring shortly, and in the summer it is rumoured that Zappa Play Zappa will be their support band. That should be very exciting to see. There's an interesting blog by CPZ bassist Pete Griffin, who thanked all of his fellow band members, apart from Dweezil, for teaching him so much these past few years. He also bemoaned the fact that the return of the Son of Live CD was credited solely to Dweezil, which meant he'd miss out on a Grammy should Deathless Horsey win Best Rock Instrumental. In other news, Armit has just become the proud father. Uh, I've got a daughter called Halo Violetta Zappa. At the end of 2010... As well as losing Captain Beefheart, Frank's house mixer, Harry Andronis, also passed away. He suffered from Lou Gehrig's disease, and it was a shock to learn that he'd just shuffled off this mortal coil. It was actually Mark Coy that told me about that. The Muffin Men are touring mainland Europe in May with special guest Denny Wally. They should also have an album out to tie in with that, uh, titled Just Another Band from L4. This won't feature any Zappa compositions, but it will include a couple of songs recorded at last year's Zappanali with Denny and Robert Martin. The Ant Bees electronic church music, featuring Jilly Smythe, Bunk Gardner, Michael Bruce, David Allen, Don Preston, Buzz Gardner, Motorhead Sherwood, Jimmy Carl Black, Peter Banks, Zoot Horn Rollo, Rocket Morton, Jan Ackerman, Bruce Cameron, Napoleon Murphy Brock, Moogie Klingman, and Groucho Marx, is available now from Barking Moon Dog something records. I'll check that. Yep, BarkingMoonDog.com. Check it out. In July of this year, George Duke has confirmed that he will be in Europe playing with the original Billy Cobham George Duke band. Chrome Dreams, who released a CD called Frank Zappa's Jukebox, have just issued Frank Zappa's Classical Selection. This features some of the orchestral works that Frank purportedly admired. In February of this year, sorry, I'm all over the place here, July, summer, February, whatever, Diva Zappa is displaying some handmade beauties, some of her um, knitted garments and couture canvases will be displayed in London. The show is called Bruce, for some reason, which I will try and find out, and it takes place in London, Soho, from February, and it will be on display up until June. Ed Mann, who now resides in Edmonton in Canada... He's playing with the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra a couple of times this year. Uh, firstly, on Friday the 21st of January, he'll be performing G-Spot Tornado as their special guest percussionist. And also the ESO has a symphony special on the 15th of March called Don't Eat the Yellow Snow. Ensemble Modern's trombonist Ued Dieksen, who appears on the Yellow Shark Civilization Phase 3 and Everything is Healing Nicely, has a solo CD out called, I'm not sure if it's called or if it's just an acronym of something, R-O-O-R. It features his rendition of revised music for low-budget orchestra. 
And the big news is Crossfire Publications, who last year uh, released 35 download-only volumes of Paul Buff's archives of Palin original sound recordings. They have now issued the complete collection featuring some 56 bonus tracks, uh, many of which, uh, not just the bonus tracks, but the whole package of 473 tracks, feature Frank Zappa either as a performer, a writer, producer or engineer. And this is now available from Crossfire's website, which you can find quite easily. And for 350 US dollars, you can buy a flash drive containing wave files of all of these tracks. And it is an absolute goldmine. Thanks very much, Andrew. And you guys can look forward to more from Andrew in future episodes of the ZappaCast. Now, in an effort to get acquainted since this is the first episode and all, I figured I'd give you some idea of who I am, what I do, and some of my Zappa experience just to kind of uh, pave the way for that. And hopefully we can do that with some of you guys in the future. But basically, I've been a Frank Zappa fan since 1986. The first album that I actually purchased was Freak Out. I just wanted to start from the beginning. But the minute that I heard Freak Out, my world changed because, as I like to say, I had discovered another person who thought the same way that I did. And even though that album was at that point 20 years old, I could relate to it on a uh, sort of molecular level. So that was how I first got introduced to Frank. And I sort of bought the albums as they came my way. I think I probably got We're Only In It For The Money next and, and went through the early Mother's albums and then started to go through different aspects of Frank's catalog following that. And it didn't take me long at all to amass a full collection and start collecting live shows and the whole thing. And I got an opportunity to see Frank in concert only once. That would be on February 17, 1988 at the Bushnell Memorial Auditorium in Hartford, Connecticut. It was the second night of a two-night stand. Um, the shows were sold out, and I actually got my tickets from a scalper outside the venue. Uh, it was actually very cheap, but the seats were not very good. They were way up top in the second balcony, but I was still very knocked out, even though at that point I wasn't um, 100% familiar with everything I was going to hear. So some of the rearrangements of uh, older tunes threw me a little bit, but not aggressively so. And I loved the show, and I'm very sorry that I didn't get an opportunity to see Frank in concert again. I did get to meet him once at a book signing in New York City. I got to uh, speak to him on the phone twice. In Frank's music um, informed so many aspects of my life that um, it kind of took over my uh, my world or my existence for quite a long time. And it really took me a long time to start thinking about things other than the way that Frank might have thought about them in my mind as I imagined it. Given the uh, monstrous influence that Frank had in my life, there was only one way that I felt that I could pay tribute to him properly, which was to write about him. So in 2007, I published my first cheesy homemade book about Frank, which was called Hungry Freak's Daddy, and it's a kind of examination of Frank's live performance art through various uh, bootleg and official live recordings. And it sort of plots a, a kind of living history of, of Frank through 25 years of live performance. 
And I followed Hungry Freak's Daddy up with other books in that same series, Strictly Genteel, which covers the uh, Flo and Eddie period of the band, Blessed Relief, which covers the uh, Grand Wazoo, Petit Wazoo, and Jean-Luc Ponty eras of, of the mothers, and the most recent book, The Hook, which covers the Roxy and Elsewhere period of the band. And also gets into the lineups of the Mothers of Invention from the spring of 1974, ending with the uh, so-called 10th Anniversary Tour, which was not quite a 10th Anniversary Tour, but Frank called it the 10th Anniversary Tour. And that's where we are at the moment. And in uh, sometime in the near future, I'll be publishing the next volume in the series, Volume 5, which will cover the summer and fall 1974 Mothers band, which is many people's favorite, many fans' favorite Mothers of Invention lineup, so that's going to be a a fun book to work on. I've also written a supplement to the series about uh, the unreleased uh, 12LP history and collected improvisations of the Mothers of Invention set, and we're going to hopefully do a show that's devoted to that sometime in the near future, but it's time now for the main event of this particular ZappaCast, where we're going to look at some rare audio, and up on tap for us this time is a recent 2LP bootleg collection that came out in Europe containing a rare copy of the Freak Out album, and the interesting thing about this is that Uh, It appears to be some sort of early mix of the album, and there aren't all that many differences, but I'm going to try to highlight the noticeable ones for you, and we're just going to go through some of these tracks here, and hopefully you'll uh, enjoy this, but the album's called The Alternate Freakout, and the the track list is a little bit different. Um, It's actually quite different from what we have come to know as the standard freakout track list. It starts off with Wowie Zowie, and then continues into You Didn't Try to Call Me, Trouble Every Day, listed here as Trouble Coming Every Day, Ain't Got No Heart, which is listed as No Heart, How Could I Be Such a Fool, I'm Not Satisfied, Motherly Love, Who Are the Brain Police, listed here as Brain Police, Anyway the Wind Blows, Hungry Freak's Daddy, You're Probably Wondering Why I'm Here, Go Cry on Somebody Else's Shoulder, Help I'm a Rock, and Return of the Son of Monster Magnet, which is listed here as Cream Cheese. So the first thing that you're going to hear is Wowie Zowie, which is far and away the most noticeably different track that you're going to hear in this uh, ZappaCast. And this is a different mix. It's a different mix from uh, any other version that you've heard before. It's certainly different from the original 1966 album and any of the uh, assorted variations that you can hear on the MoFo collection, making a freakout, which is available from the Zappa Family Trust. If you don't have it, get it. I have a very soft spot in my heart for the Freakout album because it was the first Frank album that I owned because I decided to go in chronological order with uh, the various Zappa albums. And so having an alternate version of this is uh, absolutely huge in my world. What I would say to anybody who is interested in trying to track down a copy of it is two things. One, don't pay for it. Um, It is out there as a vinyl bootleg. If you collect vinyl bootlegs, you know, I'm not going to cast any aspersions on you, obviously. Anybody who's read my books tell you that. But don't pay for it if you don't have to. It's available out there um, for free if you know where to look. 
I'm not going to tell you where to look, but if you know where to look, that's where it is. So what I would say about it is that your mileage may vary, which basically means that if you're a big Freak Out fan, you're going to want to have it anyway. It's a pretty interesting and nifty little collection. And it's interesting if you listen to it in sequence to hear what was presumably Frank's original intention for the uh, track lineup a very different listening experience than what he eventually released. It's more integrated. There's a greater amount of weirdness sprinkled throughout given this particular track listing. But overall, I think the one track that you have to hear is Wowie Zowie, and we're going to play that for you right now. So here it is, Wowie Zowie from the alternate Freakout. This is, uh, as I said before, an alternate mix of the original track.
And there they are, ladies and gentlemen, the mothers of invention with Wowie Zowie from the alternate freakout bootleg. The interesting thing about that particular version of Wowie Zowie, for those of you who are not all that familiar with the original released album version, is the couple of seconds of kind of breakdown section in the middle of the track, which was edited out of the uh, standard LP and later CD variations of Freak Out by Frank. And exactly why he would do that, I don't know. I would guess that possibly he felt the track was more cohesive without it. And, you know, admittedly, it does flow a little better with that bit taken out. But the little bit did appear on the alternate versions that one can hear on the 2006 MoFo collection. So again, that's a a must-have, more so than this particular bootleg. The source for the alternate Freakout album are two reels of scotch recording tape which is uh labeled eq master copy and it's dated april 10th 1966 the boxes say mothers the tape reels are labeled zappa and so it's kind of hard to figure out where this came from but the second of these two reels the back of it has some writing on it which is not frank zappa's but it appears that frank has written the words, it can't happen here, underneath the track list, and then drew a line to the end of the line, help, I'm a rock. So at some point, he was apparently thinking about separating these tracks. And it is not impossible that this tape was at least worked on in some fashion or or worked over when Frank went to uh, remaster and uh, remix this album for release in the old Masters box, which would be in 1985. So we're going to hear some more cuts from the album now, and we're going to hear You Didn't Try to Call Me, we're going to hear Trouble Coming Every Day, I Ain't Got No Heart, and How Could I Be Such a Fool. And one of the things that I think that uh, is very interesting about this is that the quality of the tracks are much cleaner than any other version of Freak Out that I've heard, excepting only the outtakes that are available on the MoFo set. And why that is, I I don't know. Again, obviously some work went into the album before it was actually released. But it's interesting kind of to hear the ebb and flow of the album in this form. So we're going to hear what was likely the rest of Side 1. So here you go. Here's the remainder of Side 1 of what was apparently the original version of Freak Out as Frank had uh, crafted it. Didn't try to call me. Why didn't you try? Didn't you try? Didn't you know I was lonely? No matter who I take home, I keep on calling your name. And you, I need you so bad. You're the one, babe. Tell me, tell me who's loving you now. Cause it worries my mind and I can't sleep at all. Home on Friday just to wait for your call And you didn't try to call me Why didn't you try, didn't you try, didn't you know it was lonely No matter who I take home, I keep on calling your name You, I need you so bad, you're the one thing 
Your love 
On to side two of the alternate freak out bootleg set, and the uh, the track order very interesting here places who are the brain police right in the middle of the second side, and it actually places what would be the opening track of the final album, Hungry Freaks Daddy, at the end of the second side. So here you are with side two of the alternate freak out bootleg. Got no place to go I'm tired of walking up and down the street all by myself No love left for me to give I try and try but no one wants me the way I am Why should I pretend I like to run from door to door? Maybe I'll just kill myself. I just don't care no more. Because I'm not satisfied. Everything I've tried, I don't like the way life has been.
No need to feel lonely, no need to feel sad If we ever get a hold on you What you need is Motherly love Come on, get it now Motherly love Forget about the brotherly and otherly love Motherly love is just a thing for you You know your mother's gonna love you Till you don't know what to do Nature's been good to this here band Don't ever think we're shy Send us up some little groupies And we'll take their hands And rock them till they sweat and cry What you need is Motherly love Get it now Motherly love Forget about the brotherly and otherly love Motherly love is just a thing for you You know your mother's gonna love you Till you don't know what to do We can love you till you have a heart attack You best believe that's true We'll bite your neck and scratch your back Till you don't know what to do What you need is Motherly love Motherly love Forget about the brotherly and otherly love Motherly love is just a thing for you You know your mother's gonna love you Till you don't know what to do You know I got a little motherly love for you, babe You know I got a little motherly love for you, honey You know it doesn't bother me at all That you're only 18 years old Cause I got a little motherly love for you, babe
with a plastic that melted and a chromium too. Schools that do not teach. 
Mr. America, try to hide the emptiness that's you inside. But once you find that the way you lied and all the corny tricks you tried will not forestall the rising tide of hungry freaks, Daddy. Mothers of Invention with uh, Hungry Freak's Daddy. It's a good time listening to this, and actually the more that I hear it, the more I think it's uh, a version that could have seen the light of day if it was available to the Zappa Family Trust on the MoFo set. So that's something that maybe uh, could be an idea for some sort of future archival release, perhaps for the 50th anniversary of the release of Freak Out. So we're going to hear now the uh, original side three of Freak Out. The thing that strikes me about this is it, it sort of flows in the same way that the original single LP UK pressings of um, Freak Out flow. And the sides are not over long, obviously, because it would have been uh, designed as a two LP set. But it's an unusual way to picture this album. And when I said earlier that this version of Freak Out is sort of more integrated 
conceptually, I guess, than the uh, actual released freakout. This is what I'm talking about. You're going to hear, uh, you're probably wondering why I'm here. Go cry on somebody else's shoulder and help I'm a rock. You're probably wondering why I'm here And so am I, so am I Just as much as you wonder About me being in this place That's just how much I marvel At the lameness on your face You rise each day the same old way And join your friends out on the street Spray your hair and thank your knee I think your life is incomplete But maybe that's not for me to say They only pay me here to play I want to hear a caravan with a drum solo You're probably wondering why I'm here And so am I, so am I Much as you wonder But me stand back at you yeah. That's just how much I question The corny things you do You paint your face and then you chase To meet the gang where the action is Stomp all night and drink your fizz Roll your car and say gee whiz you tore a big hole in your convertible top What will you tell your mom and pop? Mom, I tore a big hole in a convertible You're probably wondering why I'm here And so am I, so am I As much as you wonder If I mean just what I say That's just how much I question The social games you play You told your mom you're stoked on town And went for a cruise in Freddy's car Tommy's asking where you are You boogied all night in a cheesy bar Plastic boots and plastic hat And you think you know where it's at yeah! You're probably wondering why I'm here Not that it makes a heck of a lot of difference to you A year ago today Was when you went away 
but now you'll come back knocking on my door and you'll say you're back to stay but I say go cry on somebody else's shoulder I'm somewhat wiser now and one whole year older I should don't need you now I don't love you Don't 
It can't happen here. It can't happen here. I'm telling you, my dear, that it can happen here. Because I've been checking it out, baby. I checked it out a couple of times. Mm, and I'm telling you, it can't happen here. Oh, darling, it's important that you believe me, bop, 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 that it can't happen here. Who could imagine that they would freak out somewhere in Kansas? Kansas, 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 that they would freak out in Minnesota. In Washington, D.C. Folks, you know it won't happen here. You're no, safe, no, no, Mama. No, You're no, safe, no, baby. No, you just no, cook the TV no, dinner and you no, make it. No, 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 I remember to do, I remember to do, I remember to do, they had a swimming pool. I remember to do, I remember to do, they had a swimming pool. I remember to do, I remember to do, they had a swimming pool. And they thought it couldn't happen here. It couldn't happen here. They were so sure it couldn't happen here, but Susie. Yes, yes. Yes, I've always felt that. Yes, I agree, man. It really makes it. Yes, psychedelic. It's a real thing, man. It really makes it. Susie, you just got to town, and we've been. We've been very interested in your development since you first took the shots. Forget it! It can't happen here. 
the mothers of invention with Hell by Maroc, and uh, of course it can't happen here. And we can hear some uh, bits once again that were eliminated from the original, um, the original Freakout album. And students of Frank's work will be familiar with those bits from the Mother Mania version of the track, which was also later reissued on the Mofo set. Uh, the final track would be all of side four of the two record set, and this is uh, labeled on the tape box Cream Cheese. It was retitled later The Return of the Son of Monster Magnet. Susie? Yes. Susie Cream Cheese? Yes. This is the voice of your conscience, baby. Uh, I just want to check one thing out with you. You don't mind, do you? What? Susie Cream Cheese, honey, what's got into you?
America's wonderful. Wonderful, 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 wonderful rock. It really makes it.
there you go. The Return of the Son of Monster Magnet, the Mothers of Invention. And that was uh, all of the alternate Freak Out album. I hope you had as good of a time listening to it as I did. We're going to close the show, um, our first episode of ZappaCast. We're going to close the show right now with a history lesson. This is Frank in uh, December of 1966 speaking with a reporter from Hit Parader magazine um, in a hotel in New York City. And he is giving us the the best and clearest account that he would probably ever give of the origins of the Mothers of Invention. And here you are. I've never really seen anywhere just any account of how the whole group as a whole got together. Okay. How did all that come about? Well, the group got together. We're working in Pomona at a place called The Broadside, which is a dismal bar. Mm-hmm. And... Jim had just come out from Kansas. That's uh, our, a drum, drummer, Jim. Yeah. yeah, there's two Jims in the band now. Jim Black had just came out from Kansas and got together with uh, Roy, the bass player, and they'd been working terrible jobs in Orange County, which mm-hmm. is a bad place to live, unless you belong to the John Birch party. Yeah. And... Uh, then they got a band together with uh, a couple other people, a guy named Ray Hunt on guitar and Dave Coronado on sax, and Ray Collins as lead vocalist, and called themselves the Soul Giants. What kind of music were they doing? They were doing straight commercial R&B. Mm-hmm. Gloria, Louie Louie. Right, the old classic. got it, yeah, the classic. Then uh, Ray Hunt uh, decided he didn't like Ray Collins, and started playing the wrong changes behind him when he was singing. So I think that uh, a fight ensued where Ray Hunt was permanently mutilated and uh, decided to quit the band, leaving uh, four, and they needed a guitar player, so uh, they called me up. So I joined the band, started working with them at the broadside, and I thought it sounded pretty good. And I said, okay, you guys, now I got this plan, we're going to go, and we're going to get rich, and we're going to do this thing, and uh, you probably won't believe this when I tell you now, but uh, if you just bear with me, you know, we'll go out and do it. Well, Davey Coronado said, uh, no, I don't want to do it. I, I think uh, we'd never be able to get any work if we play that kind of music, you know, and I got this job in a bowling alley in La Puente, and I think I'm going to split. So he did. And he put together, I think he's got a band now called Davy Coronado and his Sagebrush Ramblers or something like that. So, there was four original mothers, me, Ray, uh, Jim Black, and Roy Estrada. And we starved for about, oh, ten months, because we were playing uh, a type of music which was grossly unpopular in in that area. They just, they couldn't identify with it. So we got into the habit of uh, telling the audience to get fucked, and uh, we made a big reputation that way. Nobody came to hear us play. They came in to see just how much... They were very masochistic, you know. Yeah, how much abuse they could take. Yeah. Well, we'd abuse them to death, and they'd love it, you know. So we'd manage to get jobs just on that basis, but of course it wouldn't last very long because we'd eventually wind up abusing the owner of the club. Yeah, Leroy Jones used to do that too. He used to have these little talk sessions in the village and he'd wind up attacking all the white people in the audience. Yeah. They loved it. Yeah. That's good. That's cathartic. So then uh, we decided we were going to go to L.A. 
which is a distance of about 30 miles, the big city. Yeah. And we went in, and uh, we'd added a girl to the group. Her name was Alice Stewart, and she played very well, and she oh, sang okay. very well guitar. But she, and I thought, well, I have an idea for uh, combining uh, certain uh, modal influences into uh, our basically uh, country blues sound because we were playing a lot of Muddy Waters, uh, Holland Wolf type stuff. Mm -hmm. So she played good finger style guitar, mm -hmm. but she couldn't play Louie Louie. She couldn't go da 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 da. She couldn't do that. Finger picking. Fired her. Then we got a hold of Henry Vestine, who was one of the uh, most outstanding blues guitarists on any coast. He's really a monster, and uh, he was part of the group for quite some time. And then he decided that he didn't want to be a part of the group anymore because we started playing things that were stranger, and things kept getting progressively stranger, and he couldn't identify with what we were doing, and he wanted his freedom, so we said goodbye, Henry, and he split. Then there was four mothers again. Then we hired, uh, oh, and then Ray quit, the lead vocalist. He quit, and then there was three mothers. Then we hired uh, Jim Gersio, who was, uh, he's now uh, managing Chad and Jeremy. Yeah. Well, he was part of the group for a while. We, we had also, somewhere along the line, hired Steve Mann, who was another top blues guitarist on the West Coast. And uh, he couldn't make it. And he wanted to do it, but he couldn't make the changes, so we got rid of him. Then we hired Elliot Ingber. And then Ray came back in the band, and now we had me and Ray and Roy and Jim and Elliot. And there was five mothers, and we cut the first album with those five. Mm -hmm. and then we right after the album leaded, and we worked over there. Then we came back and worked uh, with Andy Warhol at the trip, the show that closed the trip, as they say. And uh, then we went to San Francisco and played around there. And finally, uh, Elliot had to be fired. And uh, then there was four again, and we hired. Oh, we had hired Billy Monday. We had mm -hmm. two drummers, and mm -hmm. just before we fired Elliot, we had a 60s band. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then we had five. It was two drummers, bass, guitar, and vocalist. Mm -hmm. And then we hired uh, Don Preston, who plays uh, keyboard instruments, electric mm -hmm. piano, electric clavichord. And then we hired. And gongs and springs. Then we hired Bunk Gardner. Mm -hmm. Now I had known Don Preston and Bunk Gardner like uh, three years before I put the other guys together. Mm -hmm. See, I'd known them for a long time. Oh, and we hired Jim Fielder right about the uh, right after we hired uh, Billy Munt and after we hired Don Preston. So now we have eight. But I had worked with uh, Preston and uh, Gardner playing experimental music a long time ago. We, you know, we got together in these garages and went through these very abstract charts mm -hmm. and, you know, just entertained ourselves that way. So uh, then we had a, a workable ensemble. The second album was recorded with all those eight guys. It hasn't been released yet. No, and uh, providing uh, everybody at MGM uh, goes along with the gag, they will release it. But uh, there are certain parts of the album that bring, seem to bring grave concern to uh, the uh, minds there at MGM. Mm. How did the first album ever get recorded? Uh, well, I'll tell you the complete story of Freak Out Album. 
first of all, you got to understand this project, although the band's been together about 19 months, the project was carefully planned about three years ago. I'd been looking for people to put together to do this number. I, I was in advertising before I got into uh, show business, <laughs> and uh, I'd done a little uh, motivational research and checked around, uh, and it's one of the laws of economics that uh, if there is a demand, uh, somebody ought to supply that demand and you're going to get rich, okay? So I pieced together uh, a composite uh, gap-filling product. Our product fills most of the gaps that exist between uh, so-called uh, serious music and the mass public. In other words, uh, really good music has been kept from the public by a filtering system of little old ladies who select the music played by community orchestras yeah. and radio stations. What would you consider to be good music? <clears throat> I would say uh, contemporary uh, music of uh, advanced tendencies has been kept from the public at large. Mm -hmm. uh, in all areas, classical as well as popular. Yes. And jazz. Yes, because uh, it seems that a person, once they get to the position where they own a club or, or uh, control the, uh, the goings-on in a concert hall or something mm -hmm. like that, they become a critic and a... Yeah, right, mm -hmm. and they're fucked. And they, they know, they hate music. They love business. Right, yeah. They hate music, you see. And you have to know that up front before you even go into the business because you're going to be dealing with these people. I know whenever I talk to the, to the people on that level, I always tell, I tell them, first of all, that I hate music and I'm only in it for the money and then they slap me on the back and we get along fine. Uh -huh. I, I grumble as much as I can. I hate that shit, man. It's loud. God. I wish I could drive a cab, but I can't get a license. <laughs> And so, you know, then we get along. Yeah. But the, the public knows nothing of what's really going on in music today. Mm -hmm. Music as it exists. I mean, you take the outer limits of music, wham, the most advanced work done today in the musical field, and the bulk of the population doesn't even know what's happened yet because there are kids that are piddling along, writing their shit, saying, I just made up the most fantastic thing. And if they knew that the, the best that they could write today was already written and performed in 1912, I mean, like uh, a piece like Amerix by Edgar Varese, written in 1912, would scare the average teenager to death. And I mean, really scare them to death. Vanguard just released a recording of it. My, uh, first, it was a Rockefeller grant that uh, put it together. It's for a large orchestra large percussion battery. It uses two different sirens. Mm. And it's just astonishing. Man. Is it even more, you know, wild than the Carmina Burana? Much. Uh, have you ever heard any of the music of Verres? Mm, yeah. Well, let's see. He lived and died in New York. Well, I think he died last February. His birthday is today, as a matter of fact, December 22nd. He was born in the 1800s uh, in uh, Paris. And he lived at 188 Sullivan Street, mm -hmm. and a lot of the people in the village knew him. And he was really an outrageous guy. And the stuff that he wrote, the, the average American doesn't even know he was alive, let alone that what he wrote has uh, mm -hmm. 
virtually changed the shape of all the music of the composers that have heard it because of the way he dealt with percussion instruments. How do you spell the composition with an or without an Amerique's, A-M-E-R-I-Q-U-E-S, conducted by David Abravanel, Utah Symphony Orchestra, Vanguard. It's the best recording of a symphony orchestra that I've ever heard. I got a stereo version of the thing, mm -hmm. and you can hear the flute players breathing on the goddamn thing. And it's such a big orchestra. You wonder, and it doesn't even give the engineer credit on the album. Hey there, I'm some hero in a lot of cases. Yeah, well, this is a masterpiece. But anyway, the kids don't know what the fuck is happening in music. They just, and they have a right to know because uh, all the the music that lives today is being written by the young people. Right. Uh, most of the, uh, I won't say most, but a great quantity of the so-called serious music that's written in America today by the older cats mm -hmm. is very sterile. It just doesn't mm -hmm. happen, you know. And it's still, it, the reason it doesn't happen is because they never get a chance to hear it. How are you going to hear your mistakes? What you write down on paper is a mere indication, in most cases, of what it actually will sound like. Mm -hmm. You can only guess so far until you get that into an actual acoustic environment and hear what the composition is going to be like. These guys never get a chance to find out where they're missing out. Uh, in the beginning, sort of, uh, how did you start getting away from traditional forms and begin to your own thing? Well, like, actually, I, want, I guess oh. one way to start is to uh, sort of go. Can you remember like the first piece of music you remember that really impressed you, and then sort of take it, you know, from there, just the music that uh, that you were listening to and the music you were producing, you know, as you went along. All right, wait. I just remembered something okay. before I go into that. I never did tell you how the, the Freak Out album got put together. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't don't let me forget that question. That's okay. Good. I got to tell you, Wilson came to the Whiskey a Go Go while we were uh, five pieces with Henry. Mm -hmm and heard us sing the Watts Riot song. Mm -hmm. And uh, he stayed for five minutes and says, yeah, 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 slap me on the back, shook my hand, wonderful, we're gonna make a record of it, goodbye. Mm -hmm. Didn't see him again for like four months. Yeah. Sure, so he thought we were a rhythm and blues band. He went back, ah, oh, sign me another rhythm and blues band. <laughs> on the coast. And I got this song about, oh, got a couple of niggers in it, and he says nigger in there, one time. I don't know what it is, but it's a protest song. And uh, yeah, we got them, uh, they'll be okay. Couple of singles, maybe, and then they'll die out. All right. So then, he came back to town uh, just before we were going to set up the uh, the first session, and we had a little chat in his room. When that was when he first discovered that uh, that wasn't the only thing that we played, mm -hmm. and then things started changing, you know, in terms of uh, what we were going to do. We decided not to make a single. We we're going to make an album. So he wouldn't give me an idea what the budget was on the album, mm -hmm. but uh, the average rock and roll album was going to cost about $5,000 to put together. Mm -hmm. I think the uh, start to finish cost on Freakout was somewhere around $21,000. Wow. What happened was, from the first day we went into the studio, the first tune we cut was Any Way the Wind Blows. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's unfortunately a bad mix because the track is really good on that. And when he heard the track played back on that thing, he just went, and then we recorded Who Are the Brain Police? Mm -hmm. And uh, he got on the phone and called New York and, you know, I got this thing, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but, uh, all right. So then I got a <clears throat> more or less an unlimited budget to do this monstrosity. The next day, 
I had whipped up these arrangements for a 22-piece orchestra, <laughs> and they were wheeled in the following day, and we cranked out the four large orchestra songs, uh, which is not just a or straight orchestra accompanying the singers. It was like the mother's five-piece band plus 17 pieces, you know, we're all working right. together. And uh, then the editing took a long time, which ran the, the cost up, and meanwhile Wilson's sticking his neck out, and he laid his job on the line to produce the fucking thing, and then uh, I think we would have sold 250,000 albums by now if MGM would have, one, not moved offices, <coughs> and slowed down in its uh, hype of what the album was, and two, simply distributed the, the advertising material that uh, was paid for uh, you know, out of our account mm -hmm. to hype the record. Well, they got buttons and stickers and stuff sitting up the office now that were never gotten to the stores. What about that map of Los Angeles? Uh, well, that's my fault. Uh, I've got it in my room right now. Oh. I'm finishing it off. I got the first side finished, but see, I made, I made the map, <clears throat> and then all these things started happening. Disaster yeah, right. A, disaster <laughs> B, and now I'm redoing the thing on there about Pandora's box, because mm -hmm. I want to get that on there. And we've got people that have sent for it that are screaming for their bread, so it's mm -hmm. going to go out. I'll finish the thing off this week. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a question of re redoing that and putting some pictures on the other side of the map, but it'll be really groovy. So that's how the first Freak Out album yeah. got together. How has it been selling, by the way? It's selling very well. In mm -hmm. fact, the MGM felt that they had spent too much money on it already mm -hmm. and were going to let it die but it started selling again, and it kept on selling, and now they don't know what it is. And I went down there the other day, and I went into this, you know, big sales cheese office. I said, you guys are fucked. You don't know what you're doing. You've got the Beatles on your hands, and you're sitting there with your thumb up your ass, and you don't know what you're doing, man. And he looked at me like, I'm just crazy. <laughs> you know, and I said, you sold, uh, well, like this one week when we first came to New York. No extra hype, no nothing. There was 5,000 sales all over the country and 40 of them in a town the size of a, a pumpkin in <laughs> Wyoming. <coughs> it was really unbelievable. Because uh, they've just been letting it alone. How have people been finding out about the album? It's been how word of mouth. What do you know of your following? I mean, how does it, how does it uh, develop? Uh, we have quite a strong following, and uh, it's pretty big. Like, mm -hmm. there's this one kid, uh, he drove all the way from New Jersey on a motorcycle in the rain to see one of the shows at uh, the Balloon Farm. Man, he was practically eating my shoes. And I said, what is this? Uh, you know, I, we made a record and we put it out there. I didn't think anybody, we're from California, you know, come out here and here's this guy from New Jersey going out of his line. He says, all the kids over there really dig you guys, man. So we're, we're being surprised every place we go. We went to the University of Michigan State went across the street to, to a record store, do a little hype, you know, as we've done in the past. 400 kids come blasting in there for autographs, man, in a store about as big as this office. And the guy had the albums all over the store. You know, this is, it was uh, blowing my mind. Well, uh, you know, I They're out there, though. Uh, grows more. I hope you know you get above ground to the point where some radio stations will, you know, in answer to the public demand. No, our aim is to kill top 40 radio within the next six months, if possible. And if you'll hear the second album, you'll see where that might happen. Mm -hmm.
we've we've decided certain concessions have to be made before a record is air playable, right? right. Now I'm not in the business to compete with makers of hanky panky, right. you know. I'm, that record has got to be air playable, man. That can't hurt nobody, right. and it ain't gonna move you either. And that's not why I'm writing music. You know, like I, the only reason I put this thing together is I'm a composer, and nobody wanted to hear any of my music. Okay, piss me off. So I said, well, if you don't want to hear it, I'm gonna put me a band together, and I'm gonna make you listen to it, motherfucker. And we did, you know, and it's been working, and uh, people are listening to that stuff. You know, they're wondering why it's there and why it sounds like that. But I make them hear it, you know, and sometimes they like it. And that's our show. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to be back next month with a uh, hopefully slightly more exciting Zappacast. I'm new here. This is my first podcast, so uh, please excuse the uh, nervousness and uh, informal nature of this particular uh, thing. But if anybody is interested in contacting me, you can do so via my uh, website, spbpublishing.webs.com. That's also the place where, if anybody is interested, they can pick up the uh, books I've written on Frank. I'd like to uh, thank Andrew Greenaway for uh, doing up the news for us, and uh, we're going to be hearing more from Andrew in the near future. And until next time, good night, boys and girls. Thanks a lot. Good night.